right, Bears, welcome to the podcast. My name is Nathaniel McElroy, and I'm here on a lovely day because we have Mr. Charles with us. How are you doing, Mr. Charles? What's up, Bears? I am Mr. Charles, and I am doing just fine. Cool. Well, I just want to jump into these questions. I'm really excited to have you here. Um, obviously, we're in an unprecedented time in our history, and I just want to know how you've been able uh, to kind of deal with it. And like in the last six months, what have you been up to? Um, well, I, I assume that when you say an unprecedented time, you're referring to the government's release of UFO footage uh, to the American public and uh, the disclosure uh, information that was built into the um, the COVID relief bill, actually, which says, hey, we're going to tell people what we know about aliens because... Uh, yeah, man, like, I just can't wait to hear about them aliens and uh, their moon bases or whatever. Uh, just kidding. I'm sure that's not what you were alluding to. I'm sure you were alluding to uh, COVID and um, maybe some politics and, and new presidency and stuff. But it's it's like those things are so front and center, uh, uncomfortably so, right. yeah. that I am probably like most people kind of finding some um, some side quests for my brain to think about. And ironically, one of those is, um, you know, Oumuamua, this this uh, unidentified object which came into our solar system um, in, I think it was 2017. Um, but there was a Harvard professor who recently wrote that he's like, I think this was an alien craft and stuff. So mm. I find that really interesting and fascinating. And I'm, I'm trying to fill up my brain space with stuff that's maybe a little more novel and doesn't uh, yeah. directly affect our economy and so forth. So. Yeah, I mean, I like how you're able to take kind of, um, I don't know if it's coming up for air because there are lots of hard topics to think about. And honestly, like if you dwell on them too long, you can kind of get bogged down. Um, so so I like how you said that you focus on your side quests and kind of let those occupy yourself. Yeah, it's it's funny. People talk about balance. You know, I think at this point in my life, I'm about to turn 40 this uh, this um, summer, you know, and um, it's it's funny. It gives me pause, actually, because I've been in high school for most of my life now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, given the fact that I returned there for a paycheck, I love, I don't do it for a paycheck, but I, I do love my job as you know, and, um, I look at it as an opportunity for that, but it, it is interesting, um, continuing to go back to high school year after year after year, um, and, and asking myself kind of like, all right, what's the point this year, you know? And I always get back to, well, we're trying to make sure that the future is secured. Um, not just my future, like in retirement and stuff, but I, I really do think of my job, not as like teaching, you know, English or other subject matter, but rather, I'm here for society to make sure that we have another crop of critical thinkers. And, and if I can be real candid and honest, my hope is that these critical thinkers do a better job than the adults who are currently making decisions and empower. I think this generation of kids is more compassionate, more thoughtful, certainly better with technology. I mean, if you've ever helped your parents with their phones, you know that. Um, but, but really what it comes down to is, is I think there are some bigger issues. Um, that's not just, hey, we need people who can write effective sentences, but, you know, in essays, but we need people who care about their fellow human being, who are culturally sensitive, and who are into reconciliation and um, helping us kind of as, as a planet, but, you know, certainly as a nation and as a local community um, to just do better, um, which means, yeah, we need to have industry, we need to be making that money, but uh, what are we spending it on, you know, and uh, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of interesting, man, because I don't know. Absolutely. I don't know. So it sounds like you're kind of, well, I don't know. Were you always kind of in that headspace of uh, like trying to either, well, like say when you were in high school, were you the of the crop that was trying to uh, like further people in society? Or is it now that Ooh. kind of Yo. like shifting? 
Or I, I was girl crazy. I was girl crazy. I just tried to go on dates, man. Did that um, your social? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when I was in, in high school, um, I was not the person that I am today. Um, a lot of that came from college. Um, but I'm fortunate to, I guess, have the opportunity to go back to high school as a better version of myself. You know, like they ask you, if you could go back and do it over again, what would you yes. do differently? Yes. Bro, that's that's my life. Every year I get to do that. So that's pretty cool. You know, I can be like in the middle of a crappy lesson, which I do have on occasion and be like, okay, so next time <laughs> I am changing this and that. And, and really the only thing I can compare that to is like stand-up comedy. You know, if you listen to Dave Chappelle or, or any of these other really interesting philosopher um, uh, humorists on stage, um, you know, not so much Jerry Seinfeld because he's got like all his jokes written out ahead of time or whatever, but people who will stand on stage in front of an audience and kind of ad lib and, and get into deep issues yeah, and stuff, yeah. they'll then reflect on their performance and say, okay, how did it go on stage? Let me refine that and retweak that. Um, and certainly a lot of that goes on. I think, um, you know, for me, at least as an educator, I'm trying to always improve my my content, not just choosing what articles to give kids to read and stuff, but also, you know, the delivery and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. you no, know, to answer your question, I... Uh, I came kind of late to the game um, when it comes to certain things that I really care about now. Like people would probably tag me as like a Dungeons and Dragons nerd because I, I bought that on campus as a like tabletop role playing game. Um, I've since handed that club over to Mr. Hyde, who's doing a better job than I did with it. Um, but like I didn't get into Dungeons and Dragons until about five years ago, and even then it was it was like a life's ambition. I I told so many of my friends like. Hey, I want to play D and D before before it got big. You know, I want to play D and D, and they're like, "That's because you're a nerd." And I'm like, "No, I've never played it in my life." And they're like, "Oh God, I just assumed that you had." You know, but um, although I may strike people as like a level three wizard or whatever, I that's something I had no knowledge about. But I enjoy the luxury of um, this this stage of life, being able to kind of explore things that I didn't have time for um, in high school. Most of my high school, um, you know, jokes aside, like most of my high school was spent trying to acquire the knowledge that I needed to to upgrade my life right. because I didn't come from a family that had a lot. And so I knew that if I was going to have some opportunities, I kind of had to make them for myself. So, um, yeah, I, I've learned a lot. Yeah. So, like, would you say in general that you're more busy now um, or were you more busy then or, or even have your priorities shifted to enjoy uh, like the finer things now that you're here? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um I'll remind everybody that although we feel busier than other people that, uh, you know, you have 24 hours a day and that's equality because the poorest person in the world has 24 hours a day. People who are incarcerated have 24 hours a day. Uh, people who are rich have 24 hours a day. There is nothing you can do to get more time than that. You can add to the end of your lifespan to get total aggregate hours, you know, but there's no way you can make the day longer. Um, aside, I guess there's one thing you could do. See, this is what gifted and talented people do, right? Like we sit around and we think of like, oh yeah, let me prove you wrong. I guess you could get on an airplane and travel with the direction of the sun so that you're right. changing time zones exactly. because technically, you can only use that trick once in a while. Uh, technically, you could uh, time travel that way. I, I remember one time in college, I was going to Israel for a uh, like a study abroad trip and uh, it was my birthday that I got on the plane. It had just become my birthday in June. I was excited about it. And when we landed in Israel, my birthday was over. And it wasn't 24 hours because it was going the other way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got screwed out of my birthday. This was lame. Uh, the trip was worth it. It was great. I learned a lot. But, um, yeah, it's a pretty funny experience. Um, anyway, I think, I think um, yeah, we, we only have so much time in a day. And, and we, we choose to fill it with things. And um, if you ever watch this video, I think I might have shown it in your class. Um, I've shown it to a couple different classes. But it's the jelly bean, um, your day, your life as jelly beans, right? And so 
if you were to take one day of your life and, and put it on the floor as one jelly bean, um, this great YouTube content creator pours all these jelly beans out on the floor and then they start dividing up like, well, this is how many hours total in your life you're going to be doing things like just in the bathroom, you know, because that's unavoidable no matter how much or little you eat, you're going to end up in the bathroom at some point. So they calculate all those hours and they're like, well, this is how many days you end up in the bathroom before you, you know, die at your expected life expectancy. And they move those aside. And then this is how much time you're going to be eating or getting dressed yeah. or in the car. And they just start moving jelly beans around. And then what you're left with is a shockingly few, like little amount of jelly beans. And those are like, that's your free time. That's mm -hmm. the time you get to do with what you want. And I, I'm kind of more, I think, I have more jelly beans than other people, I think, because of my chosen career, which allows me to have weekends, to end days a little earlier, to have summers off usually. Um, but with that said, man, time is really a valuable resource. Anybody who's read The Great Gatsby knows you can't go back and change the past, uh, but you can change your future. And so I think the way we use those hours is, is really crucial and important. And that is something I did not know when I was 18, because I thought I had the, you know, an infinite supply of time ahead of me. Uh, it turns out that's not the case. So it's an acquired knowledge of sorts? I think so. I don't, this is one of those quotes. You can argue with me about this. I'll ask you this question. Uh, people say youth is wasted on the young. Would you agree or disagree? Um, I think youth is kind of a headspace that you can be in. So like, even if you're old, you could be youthful in a way. Uh, but in terms of actual age, is it wasted on the young? Uh, I don't know about wasted. <laughs> now, here's what I want to do. I want to pause the interview for 30 years. And I want to talk to you when you're in your 50s and be like, hey, 50-year-old Nate, is youth wasted on the young? And see what that guy says, because he might have a different answer. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, it's shocking how, how like, well, I guess with the age, you, you know, actually, it's not that shocking. Obviously, if you're going to have um, or you, you will have a shift in perspective depending on the type of experiences you have in your life. So, yeah, me too. Like, I would love to talk to 50-year-old me and see where I stand now. I've actually been thinking about recording uh, one of those videos where, I don't know, 18-year-old self talks to 28-year-old self because uh, I've seen a few of those. And that just sounds like a really neat um, experiment to do. Wow. Uh, you can break the I've time only, barrier in a sense. Yeah, I've only heard of one of those. And that was on um, some NPR um, audio podcast uh, where a dad had made a, a habit of interviewing his daughter. And he cut together a lot of her um, audio vocal um, you know, footage. And, and so you could hear her voice change. And it was interesting because, you know, it was a squeaky little girl voice at first, and then it grew into like a more mature voice. But the content of what she was saying, her range of vocabulary, her depth of thought is really fascinating stuff. And as a teacher, and as a parent, it has me wondering, you know, how much um, of your education and your growth as a human is because of school? And how much of it is just nature? You know, how much of it, like, if you look at giraffes in nature, they don't go to school, bro. They just grow up, you know, and, um, it's a school of hard knocks, right? Like the only school that really matters, uh, evolution and existence and all that. Can you make it for another day? Um, so it's interesting to see how much we change just because we change, how much we change just because of our families, you know, and genetics and stuff. And then how much of what we change because, yo, I read that book that my friend recommended and I felt it change my life. Cause I do believe in that. I have experienced like ideas that have made me a different person. Um, so that's kind of, kind of wild to think about. Yeah. So you mentioned um, you're a parent, obviously, and, uh, you know, I have a few teachers um, who have kids and it's interesting to see how each of them is able to juggle their time, uh, you know, be it at home or some of the teachers like Mrs. B, they're able to come to school and work there. 
Um, but like, how are you? Cause your students are in a way, your children, you know, your kids, it's just that there you have a bunch of them. Um, so how are you juggling, uh, family time and school, especially if the stay at home, um, sphere has now been blended work is now at home and home at work, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, part of it's trial and error. I don't have answers. You know, I just have what I did today and if that's better than what I did yesterday and you know, um, I, unlike many people, I will say that I try to reflect on that. And, and, you know, this is like the football team. They, they go into the locker room and football practice isn't just putting on pads and running around, right? They go into the locker room, they look at footage and they analyze and reflect, you know, what did we do that was ineffective? What did we do? What did we do that was very effective, but also some football teams take it to the next level and they're like, yo, now let's watch it from the perspective of our opponents. Like, what are they doing? Well, you know, and that's kind of next level. So I think for me, I'm, I'm watching other people uh, struggle with this. Um, and I'm like, yo, I'm doing it better than them. You know, Like these clowns who you start a, a Zoom meeting and they're unmuted and they don't know that they're unmuted. And they're like talking about their taxes or whatever. And you're just like putting in the chat, like, please mute them. Uh, that's not me, Kat. No way. <laughs> but I will say that, um, yeah, there, there are struggles. Like my daughter will you know, just be like, dad, help me with this, help me with that. And at first it was tempting to say, Hey, I'm on, I'm on with my class right now. Don't do that. That's an interruption. But then I saw, um, another, uh, teacher, I, f- I forgot who it was, but somebody who, um, had mentioned that they use their kid. It might've been this, uh, Horigi. Um, uh, I don't know, but they, they use their family to engage with their students. And that kind of blew my mind. And, uh, so I brought my daughters in before to, to you know, I'll, I'll tell my students something like, all right, guys, I want you to write a paragraph about this concept, but you have to make it so simple a 10-year-old can understand it. And then surprise, surprise, I'd like to introduce you to my 10-year-old. She's going to read your answers and she will trash people and be like, I don't know what that means. That's lame. They use too many big words like, oh, they didn't, they didn't simplify it down so that a 10-year-old can understand it. Here's the proof. Here's my 10-year-old. And that has been so engaging and so authentic. Because usually we're in our own silos of our classroom, but now we have the opportunity to look into each other's homes. Maybe not physically if you have your camera off, but you know the experience of traveling and getting out and seeing um, a lifestyle that's different than yours and being surrounded by people who are you know not your family, but other people's family. Um, so I think that's an opportunity that's untapped. And once I kind of discovered that, I've been a lot more casual about you know my kids appearing in the background or um, speaking up because I- I'm just considering that part of the curriculum now that... I'm not just teaching English. I'm also teaching how to cope in these COVID times. And part of it is about, um, you know, being resilient. Yeah, very well said. Um, So for the sake of brevity, I think I only have one more big question for you. Uh, But I do remember you at one point in AP Lit saying that you wanted to write a book or you were in the process of writing one. Are you allowed to elaborate on that? Or is your publisher making you stay hush hush? (laughs) Sure. No. uh, So... We talk about life goals and stuff and what we want to do. And I actually had a conversation with my college roommate the other day um, about his career because he he's in you know textbook sales and stuff. And he owns like 10 houses. The guy's very wealthy, but he's finding that he's not very satisfied. Um, and, you know, he asked me, hey, as you approach 40, you know, are you having the midlife crisis that I'm having? And I was like, let me think about it. No, absolutely not. Um, and he says, well, I just want to do something that's significant and meaningful and makes, you know, an impact, not just making money and owning houses and stuff. And I was like... Yeah, no, my job kind of insulates me from that. I, I, by virtue of the nature of what I do, I, I get to every day, I get to have an impact on the next generation. Like I said, I think you guys are very significant. Um, and that to me is so meaningful that, you know, if I died tomorrow, I wouldn't feel like, oh, I didn't make a difference. You know, I, I definitely understand that these students teach me so much that hopefully this process is mutual and they, they get something out of the experience from each other and also from me. 
but I do feel like my life is, is meaningful and significant. Um, I feel um, enriched in that way. So no midlife crisis there. Um, and, and I did say, you know, I guess if I could change anything, I'd try to write a book because I really respect writers. And I'm going to, okay, I'm going to use an example that everybody understands. Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Um, this is me being a teacher right now. Um, so Superman, Superman what a power set, right? Like Spider-Man's cool, Wonder Woman's cool, Batman's cool, but Superman comes from another planet to take it full circle back to aliens, um, <laughs> comes from another planet, gets his energy from Earth's yellow sun later in the comics. Originally, it was because his gravity was much more powerful than Earth's gravity. We'll leave that there for those old folks who remember that, but um, it's the yellow sun that powers him up and he can shoot laser beams. Dude can fly, is invulnerable. I think he can just fly into space like when he needs to. It's kind of out of control. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. You have somebody like this, some, some indestructible demigod, and it's like, hey, what are you going to do for a career? And there are so many easy answers, you know? Mm. I could chop down trees and get them all done in a second, you know? Yeah. Um, dude could like, move rocks or dig holes, like, so easy, right? Um, but he chooses the only thing where he and I are equals. He wants to be a writer. Mm. And he's a journalist. And that's the only thing that I can meet uh, Superman at and actually be his equal. You know, he could beat me in any sports competition, uh, but sitting down and writing a poem or reflecting on life and current events and trying to make people feel with your words, that's something that even Superman, um, had, it, it's equal access. Like we both have the same um, opportunity there. And I really respect and admire that. I think writing um, makes us better versions of ourselves. I think it's, it's one thing that we do that we don't share with any other species on this planet or perhaps other planets, I don't know. But it, it is self-reflective. It is uh, community-driven because what is it to write a book if no one reads it? It doesn't matter. So you have to think about your audience. So I just think that, you know, it sounds a little preachy as an English teacher, but I think that writing is probably, other than eating, sleeping, and maybe spending time with my family. Well, that last one's not true. Um, other than eating and sleeping, writing is one of the only things that I do that I never regret. You know, I never think to myself, well, I wish I was doing this other thing instead. Um, and it is true that sometimes I'll spend time with my family and be like, well, pff, that was a waste. You know, I love my family, but when we're, you know, playing a board game or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, I probably should have just taken a nap or gotten some exercise or whatever. Um, yeah, exercise is one. I'll add that to the list. I'll replace that with the family with exercise, but exercise, sleeping and eating. I always feel like I'm spending my time well, but uh, writing also is something that uh, is extremely meaningful. So yeah, that's a life aspiration. Um, I've, I've jotted down a couple ideas and stuff. I, I have like probably three or 400 short story ideas that I just use on my phone memo, you know, memo notes. Um, but in terms of like actually finding the time to sit down and write, that's where I struggle because partially because my job is so rewarding that I, I want to spend time thinking about lesson plans or uh, engaging students doing stuff that's meaningful to them. Um, or, you know, I'll find myself with my own kids um, engaging them and trying to be a good dad, which is great. Um, or I've got my own friends and we'll play games. Like I said, we'll play Dungeons and Dragons or Magic the Gathering or other nerd stuff. And uh, that's always rewarding too. So it's, it's difficult for me. I want to be the kind of guy who wants to write a book, but it's difficult for me to justify sacrificing other things to make that goal a reality. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe by the time, you know, you're my age, I'll have a book on the shelf, but I'm in no hurry. And if it doesn't happen, like I said, I'm okay with that. Um, though I do have a lot to say, as you can tell from the length of this interview. <laughs> yeah. And I was about to say, like, by the time that I'm much older, I hope to, uh, be able to pick up, um, one of your books. So, uh, yeah, I do hope that you're able to fulfill that aspiration. 
also I, I do think that's a perfectly worded sentiment uh like being able to write uh and portray your thoughts eloquently not only is it uh, an introvertive or introspective rather act but it's also um community driven like you said what's the point of writing a book if no one's there to read it yeah it's funny how there are content consumers and content creators and i think that in an ideal world we're all a little bit of both but what I find is that my worst days, I'm just a content consumer. You know, I'm on YouTube and I'm just watching other people's videos or I'm reading articles that other people have written that have an effect on me emotionally or whatever, but I'm not making anything. And on my best days, um, I'm creating stuff, whether that's a nice handwritten note for a friend or um, a made up story for my daughters at bedtime or a really creative and, and interesting kind of dialogue um, and line of questioning with my students. Uh, my best days are often filled with the other side of, of creativity. Um, but I, I, again, think that there's a balance that you can't create without consuming. You know, it's kind of this virtuous cycle. You need both. So um, that's, that's I think, where I'd like to be. And right now that, that art of, of creating stuff is uh, occupied by my, my personal time with buddies and also the career that I happen to have. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in my, my later years, once, uh, once I've been in the teaching game for maybe a, a bit longer um, or I retire, that I feel the need to fill that with something meaningful. So I, I have a hunch that that might be when I get my uh, my pen out and start, you know, putting words to paper more. We'll see. Yeah, that sounds great. So um, to wrap it up, do you have any words for the listeners? Ooh, yes. I always have words. Um, let's see. Here's I have quotes. You know, like I always think of like great things that other people have said. Like Mark Twain said. I never let school get in the way of my education. You know, like, dang, that's deep. I like that. So I always like these uh, things that other people say. And then I, I started thinking, well, what am I going to say? You know, if someone ever asks me, like, hey, Mr. Charles, like, don't give me a quote from someone else. Like, what have you learned about life? Um, I thought I started thinking about that. And I was like, yo, what do I want to contribute if you're going to quote me? And I'm not perfectly satisfied with this quote. I used to really like it. But now I feel like it's a little gender um, lopsided. So, you know, that I'm not satisfied with it. Um, so you can help me workshop this. But this is this is the quote that I came up with about 10 years ago. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. A boy is taken care of. A man takes care of himself. But a good man takes care of others. That's yeah. the best thing I got. Like, that's what I've learned about on this planet. Um, that's like, if you if you were to distill down any any small degree of wisdom that I've obtained, I would say that. Like, that's what goes on the cover of the book, you know, or the, yeah. the inside cover. Um, but I don't like that it's gender biased because it's like, well, what about women? You know, I've got two daughters. I have no sons. And I'm constantly thinking about the, the world that they live in and how meaningful it is for them to, to you know, express themselves and, and to have a full seat at the table and how proud I am of America that um, it's very much about equality or it should be in its best in its best version. America is very much about equality, though we have to work that out in practice. So I don't like that my own quote does not include all people groups, but it does come from my own experience of being a man. So, um, and hopefully a good man. So at least it's got that going for it, but I think there's room for improvement. Like I said. Yeah. And I mean, as most things come with, there's always going to be room for improvement, but I do like where it's headed. Uh, the sentiment, sentiment that it carries, I think is powerful. So very well. Well, thank you for having me on the show today. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, obviously, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this one, uh, may have been a little bit longer than you're used to. Uh, but I think that there were such many, a talker. Uh, <laughs> I think there were a lot of really, really well stated um, answers in that. And yeah, thank you again, Mr. Charles, for coming on. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. The pleasure was all mine.
Thank you. We'll catch you guys later. Go Bears. Go Bears.